Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Today on the podcast, we have Tim. He is a personal trainer and owner of Warren Brothers Training down here in Gainesville, Florida. He is a brother of my friend Caleb Warren. Through him, I know Tim Warren. He has discipled tons of kids here down in Florida, and we sit here to learn more about the relationship with God, building healthy relationships, and how we glorify God through what we do in our own lives, man. So how are you doing today, Tim? Doing good. Doing yeah. good. Can't complain. Can't complain. Got that cold weather out, which yeah. is my favorite. So it's crazy. Having it's a like, good good week, man. Crazy. It's like you guys brought it with you. Here. It's 40 <laughs> degrees out here in Florida, man. I came out here to be 75, sunny training. It feels like Rhode Island, man. It's crazy. Yeah. So kind of talk to me about where you are in your life right now, right? Before we go into things, I kind of want people to have an idea of yeah. where you are mentally in your faith and, and stuff like that. Great. Yeah, great question. Uh, by no means am I at the peak of what I know I can be. Yeah, for sure. Uh, however, you know, if you were to ask me that question five years ago versus right now, oh my gosh, like the distance I've come. Mm. First of all, like I said, spiritually in my relationship and understanding uh, of who God is and what my role as a human, one of his creation is, um, it's just grown like crazy. Even though I've had a relationship with him my whole life over the last couple of years has really allowed me to grow deeper in that. And then just as a, a man, as a trainer, anything else, like the last couple of years, just being able to actually invest my time and energy mm-hmm. into research and development and and thinking through things, um, just I... Like I said, got a long way to go, yeah. but I've grown a lot in that. And so yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm well on the way to being exactly who I was supposed to be. So let's talk about Christianity, right? Yeah. What is Christianity to you and what is it not to you, right? That's a good question. Uh, yeah, so what we were talking about this the other day, uh, man, it's, it's hard when you look around the United States. I don't know what the current statistics are, but I know a couple of years ago I saw one that said something around, it was like 84, 85% of Americans still claim to be Christian. And that's just, that's kind of hard to believe, you yeah. know, especially as you grow in your relationship with God and you, you learn more about who he is and what he asks of his people. It's kind of like, hey, how could a, like 84% of Americans claim to be children of God? And yet we still have those types of things, those struggles and things that we, we deal with and, and sure. the ideology and the, the thought processes we carry. Sure. So, you know, it was actually a couple of years ago that I came to a place where I almost don't even identify as being a Christian anymore. Like mm-hmm. when someone were to ask, hey, Tim, are you a Christian? I, I I don't necessarily just say no. I yeah. say, like, what do you mean by that? Because, mm-hmm. man, what I qualify myself is someone who just really, really, really loves Jesus. And that the purpose, no matter what I do with my life, uh, my purpose on earth is to serve him and his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's like that's how I view Christianity like uh, with where I am. So um, I guess the, a better way to answer that would be like, uh, the question was like, uh, yeah, like how, think, how do you view it, right? And you're talking yeah. about 80, 84% of people oh, yeah. say they're Christians, right? Yeah. And I feel like a lot of those people really don't know what it means, right? Right. And so they kind of just label themselves as a Christian. They, yeah. they follow these rules and practices, but yet they're limited because they haven't built that relationship, right? Yes. Okay. That that's a, okay. Hearing that question again. Yeah, I I really do view Christianity, man, is it's not this level. I think some people view it as almost like you become like a perfect person yeah. or a very moral person. And don't get me wrong, through your relationship with God, the more you grow with Him it's like the sin and all the crap in your life does start to like cease to exist, but it, it doesn't mean perfection. It, mm. it means though that I'm now more aware, first of all, of how uh, evil I am as a human yeah. and I'm growing in that 
submission to God rather than submission to my own desires, my own feelings. Mm-hmm. So uh, my view on Christianity is hate. Like it's a daily process of continuing to kill the self and sake for the sake of not only serving God, but then serving and loving the people around us. Hmm. So why do you think there is so many misconceptions about Christianity, right? Why do you yeah. feel like people fully don't understand what it is, right? Or they look at it as like something that's going to limit me or hold me back from, mm. from something. Why do you think that's there's that viewpoint? You could probably do an entire episode just on that <laughs> yeah. topic right there. Yeah. But I, I I fully believe that the one of the problems is that we live in a world that has kind of told us to seek gratification, to mm. seek self-gratification. Don't let anyone else tell you what to do. Mm. Don't uh, let anyone else control you or, or bring or bind you from what you're fully capable of. Mm. You know, in, in Corinthians, I think it's Corinthians. It's one of Paul's letters. He's talking. No, no, actually, my bad. It's in Timothy because he's literally telling Timothy. He said in the end days, uh, people will be lovers of themselves. And he goes on to talk about lovers of money, lovers of all these other things. But the first thing he says is they will become lovers of themselves, right? Mm. And I don't think <clears throat> he's simply talking about the rest of the world. I think he's even talking about the people who claim to be children of God. Yeah. And the problem is, is when we do hear those things like, hey, do what you want to do. Follow your heart. Don't let anyone stand in your way. Don't get me wrong. I think there are times where there are negative voices we need to remove from our life. For sure. But to say that we only need to listen to ourselves, I don't think I've ever met a single person who is capable of making every decision for themselves without at mm. least some sort of outside counsel. Mm. And and then furthermore, you go farther into it, it's like, man, like what better counsel could there be than the creator, the person who designed you, who set your life in motion, who has a plan, a purpose for you. Uh, if you told me right now I could seek your counsel or his counsel, yeah. I'm going to choose his counsel all day long. Yeah. Now, hopefully people like you or other people can can help incentivize me to pursue that relationship with God. Yeah. So I'm not saying cut people out of your life and only read the Bible. Yeah. No, like surround yourself with people that will build you up and push you to continue to seek God's way, not your way. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. kind of like, you know. He's kind of like that messenger, right? He's filling you with these thoughts and ideas. Mm. That the, the, the person? The per- well, yeah, God in a sense, right? Okay. He's he's giving us what we need, right? Yeah. But how do we come to a place where we're able to receive that, right? Like for yeah. people who are listening to this and say, man, you know, I've tried praying, like I've tried doing this, yeah. but I haven't heard anything, right? Because that's kind of like the thing, right? People feel like he's not doing nothing for me. I can't yeah. hear him tell me anything. Like what would you say to those people? Man, that's a great question. And I, the truth is I actually went through that for a while too. Um, so I grew up as a Christian, uh, you know, never had, I never was like questioning that God existed. There were definitely times though I felt like when people would say things like God spoke to me or mm. I was like, man, I, I can't doubt. relate. Yeah. I, I haven't heard that. Been right. There, for sure. I've been there. Um, so I don't know if I have a, a clean answer that could just go to every single yeah. person, just, your, just your but thoughts, like, yeah. you know, what the, the place where I first heard his voice was because I was going through something in my life that mm. was absolutely, um, it just, just ground shaking, like it just uprooted everything I had planned. Wow. Uh, my life was in shambles. And I think it's it's kind of crazy because the Bible says that if you humble yourself, right? If you humble yourself, repent of your sins, that he will hear you and he'll respond. I mean, a lot of people, I think sometimes when they go to pray, whether we think we are or not, a lot of times we're doing it from almost a prideful position. Mm. So even if there's something we need, because more often than not, people usually pray when they need something. Yeah. But my question would be like, are we praying from a place of humility mm. and of a place of like, Lord, like I'm at my end and I need you, right? So what happened with me that the first time I ever heard his voice was I was at my end of myself. I wasn't necessarily suicidal, but I was at a place where I was like, you know, God, like, would you just kind of end my life? Like, I don't mm. feel like I have anything else to go with. Wow. 
But in that desperateness, I had nothing to be prideful about. So yeah. I was very, very humble. I was mm-hmm. very open. And I was pleading as if my life depended on it. And in that moment, that was, I think, like the first time, like, it was like, even though I'd had a relationship with him to a level, it was like it became very real. And mm-hmm. like, then when you read, even like in the Bible, because a lot of people will be like, hey, how do I hear God's voice? We'll start at the Bible. When you're in a place of desperateness and you're in a place of humility and you read the words that he gave us over thousands of years, mm. man, it becomes real to you. The, the knowledge, the wisdom, the information, it like jumps off the page and into your soul. Mm. Uh, and then through that, like the other way is how are you going to hear his voice if you don't mm. even know what it sounds like, right? Mm. So if I've never spoken wow. to you before, never heard your voice, but you talk to me, I'm not going to know that that's ivory, right? Yeah. And so how many people like they don't really want to pick up the Bible and read it, but then they're like, oh, I don't hear God's voice. So it's like, well how do you even know what God's voice would sound like? How do you know the kinds of things he would say to you? That's good. Right? That's deep. So the more and more you grow in that and the more and more you become desperate for him and nothing else and you mm. humble yourself and you realize I can't do this on my own, yeah. God is a God who he just shows up when we mm. are at our lowest, lowest point. So, so one true, of the things I'd be like, hey, man, if you're not hearing God's voice, are you low? Right? Mm. You know? Are you low enough? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it comes points like where, when you pray, it's kind of like you give up your ego in a sense, right? And Absolutely. I forgot who said it, but Absolutely. They, they labeled the ego as, you know, ego, E-G-O, edging God out of your life. You wow. know what I'm saying? And wow. We all have an ego. And we all think that the world revolves around us. Yeah. And it works both ways. We think, you know, we're the, we want to be looked at all the time, but we also have the ego where it's like, we're going through something. Feel bad for me. Feel bad for me. Right? Yeah. So that's kind yeah. of thing where it's like, you know, you're praying, you just want to be like someone to feel bad for you, but yes. really you just have to kind of get rid of that, yes. that ego yep. and just be vulnerable, right? And be authentic. And it's, yeah. I think it's something that takes practice. When you say prayer takes practice, right? Absolutely. It takes practice. Absolutely. And even what you were just kind of saying there, like, <clears throat> you know, when we talk about pride, because that, that's one of the things like you, if you're prideful, you know, there's, there's one thing that God really hammers over and over again that he hates is, is the heart of the proud, right? Mm. So I think some people misconstrue that to say like, hey, like uh, pride is when I'm like boastful hmm. or like I'm, I'm sitting around telling everyone I'm the best. Look yeah. at me. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but actually, you know, pride is the, is the heart of only worried about yourself and hmm. everything's about you. So while, yes, that person going around saying I'm the best, look at me, he is prideful. How, like, what's the difference between him viewing himself and hmm. someone saying I'm the worst? Look at me. Woe is me. Don't pay like it's literally your thought. While it's not positive, it's still it's all about great, you, yeah, right? It's the same thing. Yep. But the minute you start stop thinking about you and start thinking about other people and start saying it's not about me, it's about other people. Like, hey, who cares about what's going on in my life? How can I serve you? Hmm. And there is times like when when you're going through the thick of it, there is times to allow people to come serve you. Yeah. But pride, where pride meets humility is where your brain says it is no longer me as the center of the universe, yeah. whether good or bad. It's about something bigger than me. And mm. at, in that, whether you're on a mountaintop and you're boastful, it brings you down. Or whether you're in the valley and you're miserable, it lifts you up out of that. So wow. humility is that great uh, kind of balancing point to put us on the trajectory to when you talk about think gold and be excellent, yeah. be motivated. Like you can't do it on the top of the mountain by yourself and you can't do it down the valley. We got to have that that humility to allow ourselves to be exactly where we're supposed to be. Jeb, Jeb made an amazing point yesterday. He talked about how... You know, I don't know the exact quote, but it was along the lines of like, you know, be humbled and then you'll be exalted, right? Yeah. Not the other way around. And he oh, was yeah. talking about how like, you know, say we're like sitting at a dining room table, like if you go for the head of the chair, how embarrassing would that be if like someone came over and told you to, you're not in the right seat, exactly. get down lower. Exactly. Whereas you start off in the in the lower chair, right? Yeah. And someone comes over to you and says, 
okay, you can come up. Yeah. Like how much, which one would you rather have? You know what I'm saying? Right. It's kind of like when you're in that low position, I'm not saying you de- degrade yourself, right? Yeah. But you'd be humbled. And then you realize that you have so much more to grow. You have so much more room to improve. Whereas you're in that high chair. It's like, yeah. I can't go up no more. It's like, you exactly. know what I'm saying? And I had it. Yeah. I went through that a That's, lot, man. That exact story is in the Bible. Jesus tells his disciples about that, about That's putting crazy. yourself low so that you can be brought up rather than being humiliated and being put down man, the table. You know, man, One of the things about the Bible is like the way it conveys these messages and these stories, right? Yes. It's so, yes. And it, a lot of people, how many people out there listen to this really have read the Bible, right? And it's kind of like a thing where like you think you know about the Bible until you read it, right? And read it with context is That's the other true. thing, man. Yeah. Like, oof. But I want to I come to you as... I wouldn't say I want to come to you as that neutral position, right? Someone yeah. who's like still questioning their faith, right? Yeah. And so a lot of people have this question of like, there's so many different religions out there. There's oh, so many yeah. different practices, right? Like, yeah. how how do you conceptualize that Christianity is the one, right? Yeah. What would you say to that? Well, okay. So from the basic the basic level, the first thing is, man, like, faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen that's uh that's a verse from hebrews but it applies to any faith you choose to have if you're say that one more time for me faith is the substance of things hoped for is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen and the evidence of right things not seen. Okay. it doesn't mean that everything we have faith in has zero evidence yeah. right uh like we had faith in gravity we have faith that we're gonna all every like before we knew what gravity was we, we, we knew if we yeah. jump we're gonna fall down yeah. right and then the more we study the science that we're like oh, okay here's the evidence for you know what gravity is mm-hmm. uh doesn't mean before gravity was invented people were just throwing themselves off of roofs every single day yeah. and forgetting right not, yeah. um so that being said I man, i do believe that there is evidence in god however no matter what your faith is no matter what you believe in uh you have to have hope like even like let's say someone was a an atheist and they just believed in science. There's nothing else but science. I'm like, man, even at that, have you done all the studies? Have mm. you done all the hands-on research? Or are you trusting in the in the words of some men in our history, some men who have high degrees? And granted, the intelligence of those men is probably very high. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're having faith that what they're saying is absolutely true. Mm. And then the, and the, on the flip side, like even how many times in our history has a scientist come forward, a brilliant man come forward with a scientific discovery that Within the last couple of years, we've been like, hey, that's actually not how that works. Sure. Right? So the first I would start at is like, hey, man, no matter what we believe, whether we believe in this faith, this faith, this faith, or no faith, meaning no religion, man, we have to have faith to believe those things. Hmm. Uh, so we have uh, to have faith to believe in something. We have to believe, uh, to believe, believe in, in anything we yeah. believe. Like mm-hmm. the truth is every person has faith. Hmm. Um, the question is what's your faith what in? you put it in? So, yeah. um, but like when, I, when, I'm, when I'm talking to a person maybe like in that middle point, the first thing is, I, I think where I might differ with some other Christians is this thought process of like, don't get me wrong, I, I do believe the words of Jesus is very true when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Yeah. Uh, meaning if we were to picture that mountain story, like the thought process, of, oh, there's the top of the mountain, but there's many trails. Jesus is very clear, hey, there's one trail, hmm. right? Here's the thing. Jesus did not come to force himself on people, hmm. and he did not intend for his children to go out and force it down their throats. That's why we have things like the Crusades, right? Mm. Where the, the church actually went around like killing people and forcing yeah. them into the religion. That is never what God intended, right? From the very beginning, when Adam and Eve decided to choose sin and death over the way with God, from that moment on, mankind was separated from the father, mm. right? So the, yeah. father of his, the father can no longer be in the same place as his children because his children decided, I want nothing to do with you. And because of the law, he's not even allowed to see his children, right? Mm. So at that point, we all as humans have been eternally separated from our Father. And if, if God is good, which it says he is, God is the definition of good, 
anything that is not good is bad, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're not with God, everything else around him is bad. So when we talk about heaven versus hell, we talk about eternity and, and happiness, eternity and, and suffering. Yeah. It's like, if you're with God, that's good. That's heaven. If you're not with him, that's hell. So it's not an issue of like God's up there saying, oh, you've been a good person. Come be with me. Yeah. Oh, you've been a bad person. Go to hell. Mm -hmm. And it's like, he's punishing us. It's right now humans have chosen. We don't want anything to do with you, God. And according to the law, there is nothing we can do to change that. Mm -hmm. So the goodness in the story of Jesus is that God in his love for us and understanding that there is nothing that can separate, can, there's nothing we can do to come back into his presence, yeah. said, you know what, I'm going to go down. Hmm. And instead of requiring something of them, I'm going to do all the work for them. Wow. Right. And I'm going to reopen the ability for them to choose whether they want me or whether they don't. Hmm. Right. So if I'm dealing with somebody who is struggling with their faith, I'll, if they are, if they can show me and tell me like, Hey, Tim, I'm perfectly happy being uh, a Muslim or being Hindu or being, I don't sit there and try to talk them out of that because it's like, hey, listen, if you can honestly, it doesn't matter to me. Like it doesn't affect me what you say. When you go home and you get in the closet, are you are you okay with your life choices? Are you at peace with what's going to happen with you? And, and I can't tell you the amount of people who to your face will say yes and then go home and be like, I actually don't know. Like, yeah. I don't know yeah. what's going to happen to me, right? So my thing is like, hey, like, do you know that Jesus died so that you could have the choice to be back with the Father? Wow. And if you know that and still don't want God, that's between you and God. Yeah. I'm not going to force that upon you. But I want you to know, hey, listen, at the moment, before our relationship with Jesus, we are separated from the Father eternally. And hmm. the separation of the Father is what hell is, yeah. right? And it's, that's not God pushing us into that. That's we have chosen. Just like if I, if I was a father and my child leaves my side, it's not like I pushed him away. He let go of me and left me, right? Hmm. And so as a father, you do everything you can to regain that child, right? Hmm. But if your child was put into slavery and the, the slave owner owns that child, you have to buy him back. Hmm. Wow. God of the Bible is the only father figure in any religion who bought his children back. The rest of the religions kind of hint towards, hey, if you, you, you're a slave, you're a bad person, do this many things, do these things, right and you can God. get yourself out of slavery. Yeah. And you come back to the father, yeah. but it's, and then it's almost like this thought process of like, <clears throat> oh no, like, but do I have to keep this obedient standard yeah. to where like, if I'm bad again, the father's going to get rid of me again. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 actually that's not how the world ever worked. Hmm. The father has always wanted us. We left him, gave ourselves to slavery, and then he came and bought us back. Hmm. But if we don't want to be his child, he's not going to force us to be his child. Yeah. Right. So, so you can't ever force somebody to be a Christian, but you can, you can explain to them like, listen, there is no beautiful picture of a, of a religious father like Christianity, true yeah. Christianity, yeah. where the father has every right to say, you left me. Like you chose this life for yourself. Yeah. He rather said, you know what? Despite the fact that you don't love me, I love you enough to die for you, yeah. to sell everything for you and buy you back. Yeah. And on top of that, then I'm not even going to force you to come home. I'm just going to give you the right to come home. Wow. Right? That's an amazing answer. That's an amazing answer. I think, you know, we need to realize how much power God has over our lives. Yeah. First, first and foremost, right? Like we live in a world where we think the highest power is the United States government, right? Right. And we 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 kind of it's it's like I feel like it's even harder to be in your faith, right? Yes. To be in your in your practice and what you believe in because there's so many outside influences, right? There's right. Some, there's, you know the media is getting big, you know, smartphones and news and everything just seems like it's it's like they try to make it bigger than spiritual life everything just being made bigger and, and, yeah. and more important and so it's like you know a lot of times like what we believe in gets pushed to the side you know how do we work to kind of like 
make our spiritual life and and what we believe in and in God and more important than you know the stuff that the U.S. the U.S. is putting in front of us in a yeah. sense, right? Like the news yeah. and pol- politics, right, and all that stuff. Like how do we how do we just get higher than that that vibration yeah. and kind of just yeah and have a healthy viewpoint of that? I mean, so going back to what we were talking about before, it, it's it comes down to your faith level, right? Yeah. So I just want to put this kind of like in a, a realm maybe like athletes will fully understand. Like uh, let's say you have a basketball game that you have to play uh, a couple guys from, let's say, Duke University, right? Okay. You know, very high-level basketball. Those guys right. are great. Uh, and if you lose this game, like, you're screwed, right? If, our, if I know right now that I'm the one that has to play that basketball game, like, I'm pretty scared. Like, you know, maybe I could get lucky and make a couple of shots. But, like, these guys are high-level basketball players, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a little different when you find out that your teammates LeBron James and KD and, you know, if my teammates are LeBron James, KD, James Hart, like if I just take, can take any player from the NBA I want yeah. to play a bunch of kids from Duke, yeah. my confidence level just shoots up a That's lot, true. right? Mm-hmm. Right. So think about the same way, man. Like the, the U.S. government, the world government, you know, anywhere you want to go, the world powers are pretty scary. Mm-hmm. And and the truth is we are in a world where it's like, hey, play by the rules of do as these people say. Even like social media, man, like the pressure to conform to what people think you should be and mm-hmm. do and – um, and how many people like? How many people do you see? And you're like, hey, they they look like they're happy, but you just know behind closed doors they're just puppets. A lot, yeah. Um, so it's very scary to know. I live in a world where if I don't ab- abide by the way that people, the government, tell me to abide, that it's almost like I'm an outcast. But if your faith is in God and the truth of who He says He is, where He says things like, "If I am for you, who can stand against you?" Mm-hmm. Right? Despite the giants, despite the government, despite the things that stand in your way, the same way I would have a lot of confidence knowing LeBron James is on my team. Yeah. I have a lot of confidence facing the world and going against what they say because I know who is for me. Who is on your team, man. Yeah. And we've got the best one on our team. That's yep. Jesus, man. So that kind of, you know, brings me back to what we were talking about the other night. And we were talking about like persecution, right? Yes. And how certain yes. um religions are persecuted. Oh. And what were you kind of saying about that, 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 that subject, right? How yeah, man. Oh, man. That's hard. Uh, the state of, the state of Christianity like right now, right? Yeah. yeah. So Okay, so just because – I just want to preface that by saying just because God is on your side does not mean your life is easy. Like when Jesus leave, he did not say, hey, if you're, if you're mine, if you're with me, I'm going to make you have an easy life. You'll make a million dollars easily. No one will touch you. Although there are lots of places where like people are on death row and, and God just comes in clutch you know, and, mm-hmm. and saves them. That being said, how many people over the last 2,000 years since Jesus has been gone have been brutally tortured and, and murdered for I'm, their faith? I'm, I'm right? glad you talked about this point. Yeah, man. So when, when we say that God is on our side, that does not mean we're untouchable. Hmm. That does not mean that we are saved from any type of inconvenience or discomfort. Uh, but we were talking about the other night, man, like in the United States, what's the level of persecution for being a Christian, for being an outspoken Christian? Not I, very I think high. at this point, the, the, the most popular thing that could happen to you would be uh, social media just kind of like belittles you, you know. Um, just don't get me wrong. Uh, that's a that's a major thing. Like there are people that go to counseling and commit suicide due to like online bullying and, and everything. But like at the end of the day, you know, I'm sure there's cases of it here and there. But there's not large mass uh, persecution against the church hmm. like there is in places like Indonesia and China and, and other places in Asia, Africa, South America, where people are literally losing their heads, losing limbs, never allowed to see their family members again in their life because. Their faith is in Jesus. However, like we were talking about the other night, man, like if you look at where's the church, and when I say the church, I don't mean just like people claim to be 
follow Jesus. I mean, where people love Jesus to a level where they don't care about their life anymore. Where are those people growing the most? In those countries like China, Indonesia, Africa, South America, where they're being tortured, where they're being killed daily. And there was a story of this pastor in China so talking about how his church, he, he was a pastor of a church of well over a million people. And that doesn't mean a million people gathered together because actually at the time, the law said it was illegal for them to meet in person. So they met underground wow. and they knew if we were caught, we were going to either be put in prison or even killed for this, right? Wow. But yet their numbers grew and grew and grew and grew. And, and China, being very intelligent, realized, listen, no matter what we do, they grow. So why don't we just go ahead and legalize it? Why don't we just say, you know, okay, you know, pay your taxes, but it'll be okay if you be a Christian. So the pastor was talking about that. Like when that happened, everyone rejoiced because now they can meet in person. They can come together. You know, that's awesome. But he actually began to notice that now that Christianity was legal and the persecution had dropped, people weren't coming to Jesus. Like it became easy, right? And so, and then China, I don't know what happened exactly, but China made it illegal again. They began persecuting Christians again. So the church went back underground and the pastor said that might've been the greatest thing that ever happened to us because it was like, the, when it became legal, we died. And then when it became illegal, we, we began to flourish again, right? What, what is it about that? Like the psychology behind that, right? Like you have yeah. to be willing, like your life has to be put on the line for yeah. you to like embrace it more, right? It's kind of like that thing where it's like, you got to be, you got to be willing to die for it, right? Yeah. So that's thing about Christianity, right? Like we have to mentally tell ourselves that, right? Yeah. To, to, to be able to like go to the full extent of it. Yeah. Whereas yeah. It, I guess it's, it's much easier when like, it's like it's all you have, right? You know, like yes, it's. I, I always love thinking through things and reply and kind of taking them back to sports. You know, have you ever heard like even the high school level, college level, NFL level? We talk about the different levels of difficulty. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that all these different teams aren't talented, but like a, a high school team in the class two A division, even if they're super talented, they haven't been tested at, at all, right? So odds are, if they go up against a guy from six A, seven A, a team like that. There's a chance they might win, but they're probably going to lose. And one of the reasons why is because those 6A, 7A classes have been tested all year, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, and that's what we kind of respect. Like in college football, you know, I'm, I'm from Florida. So if you're not from Florida and you disagree with the statement, okay. But like yeah. overall, the SEC is seen as the best of a conference in college football, right? Yeah. Why? Like there are teams that are very, very talented in other conferences. Mm. However, nobody sees the test that the SEC teams do. Hmm. And it's almost like by the end of the season, they've just been so tested and they just are prepared for the worst to where they stand up in the moments they need to. And these other teams that have been taking pancake seasons the whole year, the last couple of years, they actually get into a game where they have to fight and they've never had to fight before. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when you cross that into like Christianity, man, like I, I literally think that like some people can be kind of weak because like I hear from the United States with no persecution other than maybe someone calling me a funny name on the Internet. There's no, there's no reason to be super strong, right? It actually allows me to be kind of weak. It actually allows me to kind of, to almost be like, I'm going to serve God, but I can still do it in a way where I kind of am seen as a high place in the world. And, and so I'm, it almost like subconsciously feeds into our brain of like, oh, I'm, I'm actually in good standing with God and people. And, and we slowly start shifting our paradigm to what is making God happy to mm. what's making people happy versus in China, Indonesia, those countries, they already know they're screwing. Like nobody likes them. The government doesn't like them. The people yeah. on them don't like them. So they're like, listen, I'm not serving or living for you. I'm living mm. for, for my Lord and savior. Right. Mm. And, and it's just, it's even that thought process of man of like, if you have the right to choose to do something that's easy or something that's hard, which is going to grow you more. 
something that's hard. Right, every single time. If I want to get, I can't get better doing easy. I have to put my body. Like if I'm playing sports, I'm not going to get better by playing. If like you as a wide receiver, you're not going to get better by playing a DB that's worse than you. Hmm. You'll get better when you start playing as DBs that are way better than you. Correct. Right. So every day. Same thing, man. In Christianity, what is going to allow me to grow in my faith and relationship with Jesus? Constant tests. Wow. Constant adversity. Constant. It's what breeds. The, the fighter, the truth out of me. Because like anyone can say they're a Christian, but when you have a gun pointed to your head, if you're, you're about to lose your, your head or you're about to lose your hand or something, push come now, what do you say? Like, so let, me what say, do you say? let me say this. We live here in America, right? Yeah. And so we're not, you know, being persecuted against. How do we create those trials and tribulations for ourselves, right? Yeah. How do we kind of create that <laughs> testing for ourselves in our faith, right? If yes. no one's going to do it for us, how yes. do we do it to ourselves? First, the first thing I want to clarify is we shouldn't go looking and asking people to chop <laughs> right into often. Yeah. So, uh, Put Praise up, uh, God and, and worship Him that you we aren't living in a country where we lose our heads and lose our families for our religion. But man, like almost embrace the level of persecution we have. Like mm. embrace the people like just being absolutely hateful of you. Mm. And I'm not saying go looking. So like for example, uh when I see people standing with signs on the side of the road with things like God hates gays, you know, you're going to hell. I'm like, man, are they are they well, first of all, God doesn't hate gay. So that part of the sign is fit, is hmm. false. Hmm. But is it true that if you're living a life full of sin and you have no repentance whatsoever and you don't care what God thinks on the issue that you're in hell? Yes, it's true. But that's not the way we're actually spreading our message. So I'm saying we need to stand on truth in love through Jesus and, and do that irregardless of what the consequences might be from our society. Hmm. So when we stand on truth, a lot of people will come against us. Sometimes they won't. Like, for example, I know we were talking about this the other night. Like, um, if we look at like, you know, 50, 60 years ago during... Uh, the social revolution where, where like we have Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, what they stood for was right and it was truth, right? I think we could probably look at it and say the way uh, Martin Luther King went about it uh, was a little bit different than Malcolm X. Martin Luther King had a lot of love. Malcolm yeah. X was just like, hey, we're going to stand on truth no matter but what. But even still, they were both persecuted. Against but they were both persecuted. And, and like I'm not saying it, it definitely is not perfect yet, but what is the difference between where we were 50 years ago, 60 years ago, I think it's 60 years ago, yeah. and right now? is immense because men like those two guys stood up and said, we are going to stand for truth, whether it's liked or not, whether people hate us or not, whether people agree with us or not. And what you find is when you stand on truth, you you will have your numbers of people around you dwindle. Hmm. But when you stand for truth and people stand beside you, you find out who your real friends are. You find out, you find out who you can actually trust. And it's, it's, it's catchy, man. Like people aren't used to the truth. Like if, if I'm someone who's indifferent on an issue, and I see you willing to die for your truth, I'm way more likely to side with you than I am with people who are just flip-floppy and just say whatever other people want them to say, mm. right? Yeah. There's a strength and a power. That's that's why, like I told you, like in China where originally it was illegal to be a Christian and then they stopped, the Chinese government realized when these people stand for what they're standing for and we kill them, other people get drawn to it, right? So when we are persecuted, it, it's almost like, hey, like, we are laying our lives down, just like Jesus said, laying our lives down for the gospel, for the truth. Hmm. And because even if we lose our life, it's almost like, man, when we stand for that truth, other people come rise up. Wow. And that's how, I'm not saying take over the world, like be the world yeah. leaders. I'm saying change this world to be back to the way God wanted it. Stand for truth. Lay your life down, whether it's death, whether it's uh, being canceled, whether it's anything. Lay your life down. Don't think so highly of yourself that you're not willing to stand for truth and watch what God does with that's it. That's a word, man. That's, that's a word. That's the truth, right? Yeah. When I stepped into this household, I could feel I was around real Christians, and I could feel the love that you guys have for each other, and I can feel how authentic that is, right? Right. And I feel like 
that's so powerful to be around, you know, surround yourself around people who reflect who you want to be like. Yes. Right? Yeah. And just from me being here, you know, you're you have your own business, the Warren Brothers. Just from me seeing that, it made me want to, you know, dive deeper into Think Gold, right? Yeah. Just by seeing you guys' work ethic. And it made me like everything you guys were doing, like, you know, talking about God, it made me want to talk about God, right? Yeah. And so it's like, you know, for younger people like myself, sometimes it's hard to surround ourselves with the right people, right? Yes. So how do you kind of, how have you been able to put together this environment around yourself where people are, you know, mm. reflecting of like what you kind of want to have in your life? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll start by saying, uh, I don't know if you ever heard the quote or if any of the listeners have heard this quote, but the thought process is like, hey, tell me the books you're reading right now. And I think in this modern culture, we could add movies, TV shows, whatever. Yeah. Um, but what are the books you're reading and who are the people you're spending time with? Hmm. And I can tell you based off your answer who you're going to be in five years, hmm. right? And what that means is we will be the same person in five years, except there's something that changes us. And it's the level of pretty much education we give ourselves and the people we spend or spend our time around. Hmm. Uh, another quote would be like, hey, man, like I could tell you your financial future yeah. based off the people you hang out with. Because at the end of the day, if I'm spending time with people who are broke – What's the incentive for me like to hang out with them? We never spend money anyway, yeah. right? So I, I don't need to make money. Let me just have fun, which is if that's what you choose, great. Let's do it. But if you're spending time with people who are making like have jobs making 200, 300, 400, maybe a million dollars a year, yeah. it's not going to be very long before you just figure out a way to be able to support yourself, to be able to continue to hang out in that environment, right? So the, the community and the people we surround ourselves with dictates a lot of who we are and who we become. And, and Jesus kind of talks about that when he says, like, you know, go make disciples of all men. So he's, mm. he tells them, go make disciples of all nations, right? Well, we it's pretty popular. Even people who aren't Christians know that Jesus had 12 disciples. I mean, like, oh, we know that those guys just went around with him everywhere. Yeah. But let's think through that. We call those 12 men Jesus' disciples, and they lived life with him. They did everything. Now, Jesus was perfect, so you can't say they ever saw him in his, like, yeah. down. But, like, they got to see Jesus when he was happy. They got to see Jesus when he was sad. They got to see Jesus when he was angry. They got to see Jesus dealing with this issue and that issue mm. and this issue and how he dealt with his mom and how he dealt with his brothers. and how he, Like, they saw all of it, right? Mm. So when he says, go make disciples of all nations, he says, go live life with people. Go show them what a good life looks like. Go show them what it, what a Christian, what someone does when life sucks. Yeah. Like if I tell you, leave me alone because my life sucks right now, how are you supposed to know how to deal with a hardship in your That's life rough, when you've yeah. never seen someone who loves Jesus go through it, That's right? Uh, so uh, I would say when, when you talk about like community, what I'm talking about is like, man, like who do you want to be? What do you want to be? And then find people just like that. Hmm. And spend your time with them, hmm. right? So whether it's business, whether you want to be a very successful businessman, or whether you want to be a very successful athlete, or whether you want to be a very successful child of God, find people to surround yourself with that are in that boat. And we were talking about the other day, I talked about like three different relationships yes, yes, uh, that you should have. And I, I call it the Ananias relationship, the Barnabas relationship, and the Timothy relationship, right? So when I'm, I'm viewing those relationships, I'm, I'm viewing the story of Paul and how when Paul came to when he first was on the road to Damascus, Jesus comes to him and, and, and changes his life. He goes to a man named Ananias and Ananias teaches him and grows with him and disciples him. And so Paul is learning, 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 and he's constantly under his tutelage, right? We have to have people that we're learning from, but we also need Barnabases. So when, when Paul gets sent out to do the God, to go preach the gospel, yeah. he gets partnered with a man named Barnabas. And what, what Barnabas was is Barnabas wasn't 
bossing or telling Paul what to do. There might have been times where Barnabas said something and Paul's like, oh, that's really awesome. I, I need to use that. Yeah. But overall, they were encouraging each other. They were brothers. They were equal. They were like fighting in the trenches together for uh -huh. the sake of the gospel. Yeah. We need to have people that encourage us, keep us accountable, and push us. But in the same breath, we also need to have what we what I call Timothy's, which mm. Paul writes. Like he had a lot of disciples, but he was just overly, overly in love with his one disciple named Timothy that he just poured his whole life into, and he taught mm. and he fathered. He called, even though Paul didn't have any children, he says Timothy is the son to me, mm. right? So in our in our community, we need to surround ourselves with Ananiases, with Barnabases, with Timothys, people that we can learn from, grow with, and teach. And we need to make sure our community is filled with the people in the right order. So like. It doesn't mean like if I have a friend who doesn't really want anything to do with God, that doesn't mean I don't hang out with them. Like mm -hmm. uh, at this point in time, I don't know if I have a lot of friends right now that aren't Christians, but we were talking about the other night. There's a couple of my friends that I hang out with right now who love Jesus a lot right now, but when we first became friends, they didn't really want much to do with him, mm. right? Yeah. But what happened was is when they came into my life, they weren't Ananiases and they weren't Barnabases. I didn't look at them as someone I wanted to model and I didn't count on them for accountability and encouragement. Mm. What I treated them as is I'm going to love you and care for you and, and teach and grow you and so they were like timothy's to me and now a lot of them while you know there's moments where it feels like i'm still discipling them, they've all grown to be barnabases like they're mm. all my brothers who push me and and, mm. and walk with me and encourage me and, and keep me accountable and when i'm not you know doing what i should be doing they say hey tim what's up like yeah. you know so with my life like what you said you walked into and you loved it, it's just you know i've i've decided i'm going to surround myself with people that build me up in one of those three ways and I'm not going to let myself be dragged down and, and brought down by people who do not fit that boat. Yeah. That doesn't mean I don't spend time with people or have any type of relationship with people that aren't Christians. Yeah. It means, <clears throat> hey, when I'm talking about my safe place, like mm -hmm. we talk about go home to where you're safe with your family. My community is my family. When I'm outside of that community, I consider myself on the mission field. Mm. I consider myself, hey, I'm here to represent yeah. the gospel i'm here to represent the kingdom of god yeah. and so i want to grow relationships with people to bring them into that community yeah. i want to talk about your discipleship but before we do that yeah it's crazy because i was talking to caleb i was like oh man this is like a third day out here and i was like bro it's crazy like the power that people have in your life you know like when you surround yourself around the right people it's crazy yeah. what that does to you yes. subconsciously right yes because you don't even know it right and imagine you know you're growing up in a, in a rough environment and you're surrounding your your whole life you're just around the wrong people right yeah and you start to think right this is who I'm going to become. Yeah. But imagine if you just put that person in a different environment with people who would uplift that person. It's like, it's a complete opposite, right? Yeah. They can do a complete 180 on their life. And it's like, yeah, me me realizing just being here, I realized like, I really have to surround myself around the right people who are going to push Absolutely. me because Absolutely. I can't do it by myself, right? Absolutely. We all can't do it by ourselves. But when people come together, yeah. that's when the magic happens. Yeah. That's when God works. And it's like, you can't do it alone. And that's why you need other people. And so I'm so blessed to, to be here. And yes. I'm glad you talked about the Anias and the Barnabas because I feel like I have, you know, people who mentor me. And I feel like I have people who I'm growing with, but I definitely need to develop those Timothy relationships, yeah. right? And yeah. so I feel like that's kind of a weird one, right? Being so young, like having that Timothy relationship, right? Yeah. And I know you talked about like, you're a, you just got married, right? Yeah, about and a you year. You talked about all of yeah. your groomsmen, right? Yes. We're your disciples. Yeah. Kind of talk about that, right? Yeah, no, that was actually really cool because someone, someone pointed out. I didn't even realize it until afterwards. Like, so uh, my I had three brothers that are, were there. Um, so my three brothers were my groomsmen. But then the rest of them, like, I think I had seven or eight uh, groomsmen. Wow. And someone was like, oh, that's so cool that like, you know, uh, with the exception of your brothers, all your, all your groomsmen are your disciples. And I thought about it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. 
But at the same time, like, I didn't choose them because they were my disciples. Mm. I chose them because they were my best friends. Can you explain what a disciple is for people who yeah. don't really understand uh, that? So, the disciple, I mean, that's a, a broad term, but it, it literally it just means someone, hey, like, I'm going to pour into and I'm going to uh, encourage and grow. And, and that Timothy relationship kind of like, hey, like, <clears throat> by no means, a lot of my disciples, like, they are, they, some of them, when I met them, they were mature. They just needed, like, an older brother to come alongside of them and to mm. grow them. And like when you think about the story of Jesus and his disciples, Jesus was 33 years old. And that's what the Bible tells us um, uh, was his age. I think when he died, he was 33. And we kind of, from the context of the Bible, those all those uh, disciples were teenagers. And I think it says that Peter was married because we have a verse talking about going to his mother-in-law's house. Yeah. But the rest of them were... A lot of the, uh, a lot of theologians believe that they were between the ages of like thirteen to like sixteen, yeah. right? So young guys that uh, Jesus would not have been in a place where he was like a fatherly type figure because their fathers would have probably been in late forties something yeah. like that. But he would have been like that much older brother. Hey, come, let me show you how to live life, mm. right? And so in Jesus's case, Jesus was perfect. So anything Jesus did, the disciples yeah. need to do. But when I tell my disciples uh, when I'm working with, them, I was like, hey, like even learn from the bad things because that's what I do with some of my disciple makers. It's like the guys that like were discipling me, I would watch the amazing things they did and say, that's how I want to be. And I'd see some things I'm like, I don't think that that really actually is what I'm supposed to be living like. I don't think that actually is a great representation of the gospel. But it's because they taught me how to seek God above everything else that I was able to discern and be like, oh, I don't. I don't know if that's exactly it. I think I need to be a little bit different than that. Hmm. So I tell my disciples the same thing. I was like, hey, if you see something in me that is not worthy of the gospel, make sure that you apply that to your life, right? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean just trust whatever I say. Yeah. But the way Paul says is, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. Hmm. Meaning ultimately, while while you might be under your disciple maker, you're under Christ. And so yeah. he is the one you're ultimately following. Like, yeah. And you just need somebody to help you, show you how that looks, right? Yeah. I think it's important when you're, when you're looking at a mentor, that you realize that that person's not perfect, right? Yes. That you realize yes. that that person's not God, right? Yes. And that you realize that they have they have their <laughs> you're flaws. You're describing like a cult pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they have their flaws, you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times we look at mentors and we think, even people on Instagram, and we think that they're so perfect, right? I think that's something yeah. that's going on with celebrities right now. We think they're so perfect, right? And then we get like, then we find out, we find out that it is, oh, this person, oh man, I don't know, he said he was a vegan, he's eating meat, you right, know what I'm saying? Right. Oh man, yeah. cancel him, you know what I'm yes, saying? But we yeah. got to realize that they're humans too, right? Yes. And they, everything that they've been through in their lives has made them the way they are. And I yeah. think that's something like I always talk about it, you know, some relationship that I had in my family. It's like it was a real toxic relationship. And I used to always get mad. Like, why is this person yelling at me? Why is this person always so frustrated? Mm. Then I realized, like, this person is the way she is because of the way she grew up. Yeah. And once I looked at it through mm. those lens, I realized that, yeah. that it's not even her fault, really. It's not her yeah. fault. And I realized yeah. from that point on, we never had another argument ever since wow. I looked through those lens, right? Because when she would be able to say something, I could say something back to her. To where it wouldn't, you know, get her on edge. I wasn't looking for an argument. Instead, oh, yeah. I was coming from a place of understanding and empathy. Yes. And I was like, wow, man. And when you apply that to your relationships, you know, for y'all who want to be entrepreneurs or, or business owners, you know, the most important characteristic is empathy, right? Yeah. And understanding, right? Yes. And you have to understand where people are coming from. And I think yes. it's important, right? Because you probably had a lot of people look up to you, right? Yeah. And, and in that time, like, you don't want to be seen as God, right? You want to be understood that you yeah. got flaws and you want to have, yes. you know? And so that's yes. kind of like... It's, it's just oh, something man. we need to know, right? We need to be humbled in that sense. That yes. People aren't perfect. Nobody on this earth is perfect but God. Right. And um, I think that's a good point to make. Hmm. I wanted to switch off. So, you know, you're 26 years old. You're married. Mm -hmm. Recently got married a year ago, right? Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, 
having this this marriage right here, it, it means a lot to you, right? Obviously, yes. any marriage means a lot to you, but this marriage right here means a lot to you. Yeah. How were you able to cultivate this relationship with your wife and kind of talk to me about yeah. the child that you relationship with that, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, so the first thing is I'm at 26, you know, still have my life all put together, not a perfect husband. Uh, but I, everything I do. So first and foremost, my main mission in life is to serve, uh, to serve God, to serve the kingdom of heaven. But then, but then when it comes to earthly things, like, man, my first mission is my wife. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the reason for that is, is because of the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of the Bible. Uh, and you'll, you'll know, like everything I do, business, everything else, I, I always look at it through the lens of what the Bible talks about it. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about, uh, like our spouses, why? Why is marriage so important? Why is our wife, if you're a woman, why is your husband, why does that relationship need to be so crucial to you? We have to remember that marriage was instituted by God to be a form of worship, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a picture of his relationship with us. Because when Paul is talking in Corinthians, and he's yeah. talking about the relationship. Actually, I think this is Ephesians. I keep saying Corinthians because there's so many yeah, good things in Corinthians. It's yeah. in Ephesians. He says like, uh, you know, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as unto the Lord, Right. So a lot of people get a little tested by that that verse. They you know they get a little triggered. That's something I seen where I was like, yeah. Pastor, yeah, this right here. He's explained this. Yeah. yeah, he he goes on like a lot of people like finish the verse right there, and then it says like husbands love your wife like Christ loves the church and gives himself for them. Right. Hmm. So marriage, the reason it's so important, and we can't lose focus. Like if your spouse becomes like your god, like if you're if you're worship, you start worshiping your spouse. There, things have been unbalanced. But why do I put my marriage so high on my priority list of life? Yeah. Is because, man, like the way I love her is the picture of what Jesus, the way Jesus loves me. So like mm. on the daily, man, when I fail as a husband and I like, I, I either don't really sacrifice what I want for my wife or yeah. I'm kind of being like short with her, yeah. um, getting a little irritable. It's just kind of, if you stop me, you're like, holy crap, like. How many times have I like messed up and yet mm -hmm. Jesus is so patient and loving? Wow. Right? So it, it's like a kick in the butt, like, hey man, to like be a better husband, Tim. Yeah. Like be an example of Jesus loving the church. And then for the wo woman, even though I'll never get to be a woman, I won't understand this. But like when he says, wives submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, what he's saying is, do you not realize every single one of my children must submit to me? Mm -hmm. So the wife submitting to the husband is the view of us as Christians submitting to God. And in a, in a relationship between us and God, us submitting to God means we don't get our way all the time. However, our Father who loves us and cares for us only ever makes decisions that are for our well-being, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, don't, like, why, I do believe that wives shouldn't just, like, be quiet and just do whatever the husband says. Like, I, a wife was put, when, when they were made, when Eve was made, to be a help me, to be, to be there to help Adam make decisions, yeah. to help, like, hey, Adam, I think you're kind of being uh, dumb right now with that, yeah. you know? But the thing is, it's like we have our views, we have our, our positions in like, hey, man, we are the epitome of what the relationship between Jesus and the church looks like, yeah. right? So uh, even while you've been here, man, like you've even seen sometimes where like as much as I want to grow my business, my business will never grow at the expense of my marriage, hmm. right? Uh, and if my wife ever gets to thinking that the business is more important than her, then I'm doing something wrong both as a businessman and as a husband. Wow. Um, because the best way for my business to grow, my relationship to grow, my things to grow, is that my relationship with my wife, which is the picture of Jesus and us, looks flourishing and growing and is, is uh, in a healthy place. Wow. That's good right there. That's good right there. Wow. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So, you know, as a... As a Christian athlete, right? Yeah. And I know you talked about this a little bit. Some people view Christian athletes as soft, right? Yeah. Or, you yes. Know, not able to 
to accomplish the same things as, as other athletes. Yeah. What advice would you, you give to me for yeah. being a Christian athlete, you know, going into my senior year? Like, what advice do you have for me to be able to, yeah. to glorify God on the field? Yeah. Okay, so the first thing I would say, you know, we talk about this. First of all, that's a total misconception. Uh, I understand why people have that conception. There, but if you think about it, there's a lot of things in life that make sense until the whole picture is shown. Hmm. Um, so the first thing I would say to that is, where did someone get the thought process? Like, did someone ever say that as a Christian, you should be weak hmm. or you should allow people to push you around? Hmm. Or is that just being kind of a falsehood that was pressed by imperfect Christians, right? Meaning there was a Christian who let people push him around and hmm. do things um, and totally misunderstood that. And then people have kind of got that persona of like, oh, Christians are weak. Christians. Yeah. And the main thing I've heard is almost like, hey, like um, Christian, like in, in, especially football, you know, it's really good to have that dog mentality, almost like that kill factor, right? I don't understand why Christians think that if you love Jesus, you can't also be a dog, you yeah. know? Like, why can't I be the best? Why can't I be fierce? And I'm not going to try to kill someone, but why can't I enforce? Like, we're both out here under the same rules. Why can't I throw my weight around exactly. and, and be a beast? Like, uh, my firm belief <clears throat> is Jesus in, enabled us to first and foremost be rid of our sin, hmm. but secondly, to go be leaders of men, to hmm. go... Not, I wouldn't say rule the world. I would say like to dictate how the world exists. And if I'm not in a position of leadership, authority, uh, how, am I, how am I supposed to really do that? Yeah. Uh, that's why I look at athletes like Tim Tebow. Like who can argue with the mentality of Tim Tebow and then also say that he wasn't a dog? Yeah. Like even in his like being leaving the NFL, it wasn't because he wasn't feared. Right? Like people hated tackling him probably more than any other person. Maybe just had some throwing mechanics. I don't know. I thought he did okay. Yeah. But what I'm saying is like for any person who thinks, man, if I if I begin to develop a passionate relationship with Jesus, it will affect my ability to perform athletically or grow my business. I just want to challenge you and say, hey, where did you get that thought from? Like, who told you that? Because yeah. that's just a complete lie. The truth is what it actually does is allow us to build a layer of foundation hmm. that is bigger. So I think what happens a lot of times, and so people are seeing this on the camera, you'll, you'll see my hands, so you'll see better. People are listening. I'll do my best to do yeah. it in my voice. If my first and top priority is my athletic performance, yeah. what I'm saying is my priority is my, is my foundation. All right? That foundation can only be so big, hmm. right? And I might throw all of myself into that, but that's my foundation, right? Yeah. That's not going to lead to a very successful house, right? Because now what I build on top of that is limited by that limited foundation. Hmm. However, when I choose my top priority is my relationship with Jesus Christ, yeah. my foundation becomes massive. My ability to care about athletics and family and people becomes massive. So what happens is even though sports might not be my top priority as a Christian, because my top priority is the biggest priority to deal with, it enables me with this massive foundation to build. So where even though maybe sports is my third or fourth priority, because my foundation is so massive, we get up there and my, my persistence on athletics is this big versus you have this athlete over here whose top priority is athletics. It's only this big because that's how big it can be wow. with that being the grounded foundation, wow. right? Yeah. Because my thing is, hey, be a dog on the field. But like if you aren't caring for your life in the other areas – like if you don't have good relational health with the people around you, if you don't have good health with physical health and meaning what you're eating, how you're operating, if you're not in a good place financially, who cares how passionate you are about athletics? Mm. You're going to start to suffer. Your life's going to suffer. So take care of the priorities in the right order. And oh my gosh, like well, your life will be so filled. I actually I had a coach in high school 
he put it this way. He is this great guy. He was a he was the point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers mm-hmm. before Magic Johnson. So he was an all star, great yeah. basketball player, but nobody remembers his name mm-hmm. because he was there uh, before Magic Johnson. But he always said, "Listen, if I got a bunch of rocks, I'm trying to put in a jar. So I got I got boulders, pretty much. I got rocks, I got pebbles, and I had like sand, right?" Mm-hmm. He said, "If people take sand and they put that sand in first, right, and so they fill it up maybe halfway, and then they fill the pebbles." By the time they get to the rocks and boulders, there's no more room, hmm. right? Hmm. So they started with the wrong priority first. Yeah. But if I start with the bold, the big important things, if I put the boulders in first and then the rocks Family. and then the pebbles, yeah. now maybe my jar is full, but where are all the cracks left? So when I pour that sand in, it just fills all the cracks, right? Hmm. So the same thing of putting sports as your top priority and saying, I don't really care about my relationship with God. I don't really care about my relationship with people, yeah. my family, everything. That's the same idea, like putting the sand in first wow. and then pebbles and then rocks. Wow. You, you can't put them all in there. Start with the big things that actually matter in the grand scheme of life. And that doesn't mean I don't care about the sand or the athletics. Mm. It means I'm going to fill my life with the good things first. And then what's left over, I'll be able to have them all. And I'll be wow. a rounded person. Wow. And I can tell you right now, man, like maybe you know this. As an athlete, how many athletes have we seen be beasts at the high school or college level and they get to the pros and they kind of suffer? And then you hear these stories about what was happening behind the background with their finances, hmm. with their family. I'm, one of the people I'm thinking about right now is the, the running back from Alabama. Um, I'm getting his name, but he was like number three. He was a freaking monster. Came right after Mark Ingram. Uh, oh, snap. What was Not his Derrick name? Henry, right? No, no, no Derrick Henry. Talking about he's, yeah, number he's like, three. Uh, he was big. Uh, if you guys know the name, you can put it in his like comments okay. or whatever. Uh, number three, massive running back, okay. freak of nature, probably should have won the Heisman. Yeah, he got in the NFL, and it was just like, dude, what the heck is happening? And then we find out a couple years later, after leaving the NFL, he's dumb broke, right? We're like, how do you like you had a wow. multi million dollar contract? He, and he came out and said, The reason I'm in the position that I'm at is because I surrounded myself with the wrong people. People just sucked from me, and I was constantly worried about trying to serve, like uh, like trying to like give them what they need, and yeah. I wasn't able to focus on the things in life that I needed to. Wow. And so talent got wasted because while his foundation was athletics, he hadn't got the foundation of the other areas of life to be able to handle life as a whole. And because his life seemed like it was crumbling, wow. it took his focus off the game. Wow. Versus as a Christian, if you have everything in this right order, holy cow, the, the amount of focus you can give to athletics and being the best wow. you're no longer serving yourself but even if you take that foundation of christianity and i say everything i do i do the glory of god so when i'm playing football i'm not playing for myself or my family members i'm playing for god and his glory mm-hmm. man that's the motivation i need right there Stop to be the man. best yeah and i think sum that up right relationship with god as a, as a christian athlete it doesn't hinder you yeah elevates you. not yeah elevates exactly. you elevates you elevates you it's the other way around mm-hmm. i think this is a, a good ending point right here yeah we talked about a lot i always ask yeah. These last three questions to end every right. uh, Think Gold episode. To fill in the blank. Okay. So fill in the blank right here. All right. My greatest joy is. Wow. Wow. That's a deep, that's hard. Answer it any way you want. I uh, know, man. My greatest joy. Oh gosh. There's a lot. There's a lot. But I, honestly, man, my greatest joy is waking up every day with a chance to impact somebody else. Like, oh. uh, I mean, if it was up to me. I could go right now. Like, I could die and go to heaven right now. Hmm. Why am I still here? God knows there's something else he has for me to do. Wow. So my greatest joy is, hey, I have another day to impact somebody else. Wow. Okay. Our greatest battle is? Our meaning mine or our meaning the business? Our greatest our battle. Greatest anyway, battle. Any, any person. Any yeah. person. Our, our as a yeah. society. Humans. Uh, humans. People. Our greatest battle 
the easy answer would be ourselves. Yeah. But even more so than that, our greatest battle is, I, I, honestly, it would be weeding out the truth from the lies. Because hmm. if we knew the truth, we'd be unstoppable. Wow. But wow. it's so hard to live in a world with so many lies. And we, like, even as a, even as a Christian, who I say, like, you know, I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. I still hear the bad voice. I hear the dark voices. And sometimes I get confused. It's kind of like, you know, spend all our time learning. Yeah. When whole time we should be unlearning the things we already know. Yeah. Right? We, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, bad, I, yeah, battle would be discerning the truth versus lies. Yeah. Okay. The world needs Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. All right, Sam. Well, appreciate you coming on Think Go Podcast. Yes, sir. Man. Appreciate you, brother. We'll plug you in. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Tim Warren. Yeah. Follow us on Think Gold Media. We got some merch coming soon. Yeah. Appreciate y'all for tuning in. God bless. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.